Welcome to the College Baseball Nation podcast. I'm your host, John Peters, and I'm joined by Kyle McKelvey. Today on the podcast, we're recapping all the action from the first weekend of college baseball. Let's talk college baseball. What's up, Kyle? How was your weekend? You know, baseball is back, so it was really just like the best weekend, you know? The best. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I uh, sat my butt in front of TVs and computers and and tablets and and all the devices in my house and constantly checking in on games around the country. Pretty good start to the season for me. I'd say so. Let's dive right into our top story. And there is a lot of action around college baseball, but I think the top story this week has to be what happened to Tennessee on their their journey out west. So Tennessee went out to the desert and started off the year 0-2 with losses to Arizona and Grand Canyon before they knocked off UC San Diego to uh, uh, grasp at least some uh, silver lining from an otherwise really difficult weekend. To add on top of all of their difficulties, their star transfer from Kansas, Maui Ahuna, was deemed ineligible. Uh, or at least not deemed eligible to play this season. His transfer was not yet approved by the NCAA and therefore couldn't play this weekend. Not a great weekend to be a volunteer. No, yeah, and it's it seems like some of the, the things that went wrong for them were like not exactly great defense up the middle. They're missing that stud shortstop that they had counted on through fall ball. Um, I mean... They ended up only having three. Er- nope. Let's see. Four errors on the weekend. Um, all they three. They were costly, costly errors, though. They came they at were. bad times. And there are there were probably some like plays unmade that don't get added in the spreadsheet that like would have been made by um, Mr. Ahuna. Uh, yeah. And he also provides like some speed on the bases too that could help generate some offense for them. Yeah, I think having to throw Austin Jazlove into sh- the shortstop position, I I mean he made an incredible play uh that eventually uh he threw the ball away on though but amazing play up the middle uh on a on a hard hit ground ball uh threw the ball away and that led to grand canyon scoring a run um i also had a base running mistake where he got picked off so uh i think it's it's safe to say that it, it was a little tough for him to get thrown into all of this and that's a position that maui would have otherwise been playing um I think they'll be fine, though. I mean, it, like, really, the concern—not really concern—like this, their solid part of the of their team is their pitching, and they they were in all all three games, obviously, and even the first two, they were like was really close until Arizona had the, the insurance run, like in the eighth, I think, on the Friday night game. But yeah, so, like, think, it was close. I think that's a really good point. Like, I, I mean, I think we knew the strength of this team coming in was their starting rotation. And I think something that went really well for them generally was their starting rotation. Chase Dolander, four and two thirds, seven strikeouts, two earned runs, just three hits, only one walk. He, uh, uh, I mean, obviously they're not letting him go super deep into games. Uh, it's beginning of the season, but that's a really good first start of the year. He did pick up the loss in that game against Arizona after going 10 and 0 last year. It was his first uh-huh. loss while uh, a Tennessee volunteer. Um, but I think that's you, you would take that start from him any any given weekend. Uh, the next day, Chase Burns went out and gave a fairly similar start, six strikeouts and four and two thirds. 
just the two earned runs, three hits, one walk. Um, so uh, also a really solid start for Chase Burns uh, before finally uh, against UC San Diego, Drew Beam probably had the best start of the three of them. He went six full innings, just three hits, no runs, no walks, six strikeouts. So between the three of them, that's three really solid starts. Um, I think you have to be really happy if you're a, a Tennessee uh, fan thinking about the pitching staff. Uh, on offense, though, uh, just one run on Friday night against Arizona, just the three against Grand Canyon. And it really took until the seventh inning of the UC San Diego game before they bust that one open. So they scored four in the bottom half of that frame to make it the final score there. Seven, nothing. Should we be worried about the Tennessee offense? No, I don't think so. I think it'll take some time to get get some some of these new pieces like well melted in, melted into this uh this melting pot that is Tennessee baseball. I think I think they'll be all right. Oh, you sound like my high school US history teacher. Uh, the I think though the something that's really interesting coming into this weekend. I don't know if you caught it, but Tony V, he was really downplaying this team. He was like, don't compare week one, Tennessee 2023 to the SEC champion 2022 team, because he's like, this team is not is not as good as that team was like this team like needs time to gel. So I think to your point, Tony Vitello really tried hard to set some expectations heading into the weekend. And I guess the team lived up to, <laughs> to his expectations because <laughs> at times they look just a little bit lost. I mean, some, some sloppy defense. Uh, I mean, maybe that's a little bit understandable early in the year, but some also, bad base running, uh, yeah. just some really bad at bats. Uh, it looked like they were pressing a few times really felt like despite the somewhat colder weather that they were getting in Arizona, though, the plan was to hit the ball over the fence. Uh, it really felt like a lot of guys were doing the, uh, swinging out of your boots kind of swing. So uh, as the season, as the, I mean, those weather warms up, I think that you'll see better results with Tennessee as they go back to the the confines of their 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 friendly fr- fritter hitter friendly ballpark. Uh, I think they'll they'll do a little bit better. And I mean, I get rid of the first weekend jitters, and I, I have higher expectations for Tennessee moving forward. Also, t- Tony V shouting that. Uh, um displaying that shiner on his face did you see that this, this weekend he had a little he had a little black eye underneath it, on his right eye oh i did not what's the story behind that is there any official I, story or can we I just don't, make one up i think i don't think there's like anything like big deal i think he just got hit at batting practice i think it's fine mm, like uh, i'm gonna make up a better story so oh, okay. they were in phoenix so scottsdale is the unofficial home of bachelorette parties on the west coast so i'm gonna say uh-huh. that he crashed a bachelorette party and got slapped that sounds fun. That, I mean, it sounds like he got punched then, not slapped. Yeah, maybe <laughs> a punch button then, or a slap in the in the forward direction. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe like a a slap with a with a ring on that like really sucked it to him. Let's move on to our next topic, which is the brand new top fifty, as well as a recap of our week one pick'em. Heading over to the top 50, uh, in some ways, everything changes. In some way, everything stays the same. LSU is still number one. A lot of familiar faces from the preseason poll in the top 10. Wake Forest slides up to number two after a very impressive offensive performance. Stanford checks in at three. Ole Miss four. Texas A&M five. The Florida Gators are six. Tennessee falls five spots to number seven. Southern Miss eight. UCLA nine. Louisville ten. 
few teams joining in towards the bottom of the top 50. We have uh, first-time team to be ranked as Cal Baptist, San Diego, UC Irvine, Georgia Tech, Iowa also join the top 50. Any surprises there for you? Any any big changes? Any notable beyond the top 10 uh, amongst those rankings? Yeah, I was uh, surprised by Mizzou. We we had to stay up really late for them to finish their game against TCU to see if they would if they would be ranked. Like, I mean, that's how how much of a swing like one game can go. Like, they were gone from a, a one and two kind of okay weekend competing against these teams to a two and one weekend against the top three teams in the Big Twelve, roughly. Um, Missouri and, enters into our top fifty at thirty seven this week. Yeah, I guess I didn't say that. Sorry, <laughs> they. Uh, they, I mean, now it's looking like they probably won't be the last place team in the big in the SEC. They like they've missed the tournament a couple of years now, I think, in a row. Um, and they're, yeah, they're trending upwards. It's, it's very a really scrappy good time performance team. from Missouri. Yeah. And um, breaking down by conference, we still have a whopping. 13 SEC teams ranked in our top 50, 10 ACC, 6-pack, 12, and the Big 12 and Sun Belt are tied for fourth with four teams apiece. 13 different conferences are represented in our top 50. It's the real smorgasbord of college baseball teams, our top 50. So you mean to tell me that all but Kentucky are in the ranked in the SEC? All but Kentucky. And we had Kentucky ranked in the preseason, dropped them out. Uh, despite them winning a series on the road at Elon, they looked a little offensively lost so we slipped them out but they were just knocking on the door of our top 50 right now yeah so yeah we're really close to having all 14 that's that's wild never happened before might happen though at some point if kentucky has a has a good weekend did you go back and compare all of our years of doing this uh what do you mean (laughs) to see if all 14 were ranked no i just i i think it's like a I, it's something that's kind of like tickled in the back of my mind for a mm. while. Anytime we do a ranking, I keep an eye on that. And I've, I've always thought like, you know, is this going to happen? Are we finally going to hit 14 SEC teams and they've never been able to do it. So this is a, could be a, a momentous week for, for the SEC if Kentucky gets back into the rankings. Elsewhere in uh college baseball world, you and I did a pick them and let's pat our backs nine and one combined to start the year. Remember, we're giving each other difficult series for this pick and we're trying to stump the other person. And uh, you got off to a, a really solid four and one start. I uh, have the, the one game lead early on five and oh for me. Uh, the uh, one series that you missed on, um, which one was that, Kyle? Uh, it was West Virginia at Georgia, Georgia Southern. Um, uh, Mountaineers let you down. They did. You know, the, it was like it was one bad inning that it was like a two run inning on Friday night that like that's that's the only uh, like blemish on on my resume for them like otherwise I think they won game three they were really close to winning that game one so you know if ifs were fifths we'd all be drunk or something like that I don't know (laughs) I would say hats off to you picking that central Michigan over Baylor that's not easy I know neither of us were uh, particularly optimistic about what Baylor had to offer this year, but picking a MAC team on the road early at a, a Big 12 team, nice pick there. Yeah, and Central Michigan had a huge 15-run fifth inning on Saturday, all with two outs. That is wild. That is pretty wild. <laughs> Let's go Chippewas. Yeah. And then, yeah, you um, 
you know, I, I didn't do the whole thing where you give me the, uh, the road favorite. Um, that's, that's like, that's your specialty. So, um, I guess the Kentucky at Elon one was one of those, but yeah, you had, um, some pretty, pretty nice ones. Virginia tech, I guess is the other one. They, they kind of, I think they lost game, game one, came they back did. and won. They stumbled out the, out the gates, but then came back and won that series against the college of Charleston. Yeah. And Kentucky did too. So that was a nice, nice five and zero for you. Nice five and oh, perfect record. We'll see how long it lasts. It won't last. Up next on the podcast is a segment we call something or nothing. Two minutes per topic. We have six different topics to go through. Our goal, Kyle, is to say whether or not this is a big deal or not a big deal, whether or not this is something or nothing. And the first topic that I want to start us out with is the Texas Longhorns. Two minutes on the clock. Texas went 0-3 at the college baseball showdown. How much should we overreact about this, Kyle? Uh, I don't think we need to overreact too much. It was only in two years ago, in 2021, where Texas went 0-3 at the same college baseball showdown and ended up in the semifinals. We're one game away from going to the to the uh championship series push mississippi state to the brink they sure did one run game that mississippi state squeaked out yeah and then won the next one and ended up winning the whole thing so they were who knows they could have they could have won the whole thing that year so i think it's uh it's a little too early to to freak out it might come eventually there were some kind of iffy signs here uh their offense and defense were it was just uh, <laughs> A lot of errors everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they had a it was a four error inning, right? Five, Against I five error inning. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you're going nothing. You're going nothing on this. I'm going one. nothing for now. It's nothing, nothing with an asterisk of signs of uh, you know being scared a little bit. But I think I I'm really inclined to agree with you, but I'm going to disagree. I think that the way they lost these games, I'm going to call it a something. Mm-hmm. We we knew that this was a really talented freshman class, and we knew that this talented freshman class was going to have to contribute in order for Texas to be a serious contender in the Big 12. It didn't show up. And, and a weekend to two, we're going to get to in a little bit, where there were some really impressive freshman performances. Texas's freshmen looked a little bit a little bit lost, a little bit uh, uh, green, let's call it. So... Yeah, they went up against some really tough competition, but going 0-3, that's not something that you really want to do to start off the year. If I were to guess, I'm going to say that they don't win 50 games like they did two years ago. That's uh, it's probably a good bet. It's hard to do. All right, next topic. Mizzou beat TCU and aforementioned Texas at the College Baseball Showdown. Is this something or nothing? We've already referenced it on this podcast a little bit that this could be something. I mean, this could be the year that Mizzou pulls itself out of the gutter of the SEC East, maybe finishes fourth in the SEC East, has a chance at an at-large bid. We've now moved them into our top 50. Um, So I think I'm going to err on the side of something. I think that Mizzou was, was pretty impressive competing against three teams that have very legitimate shots at making the NCAA tournament, right? Everyone thought that Mizzou was just happy to be there and happy to, to be in the premier tournament opening weekend. <laughs> they didn't look like a team that was just happy to be there. 
That is for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I think I agree with you. This is this is something. This is a team that hasn't made the SEC tournament. So the bottom two teams don't make it. Uh, they haven't made the SEC tournament since 2019, and the 2020 season was canceled. I don't know how they would have done that year, but um, yeah, they've been the bottom of the SEC East in the last couple of years, and it's it's been it's been a rough couple of years. But um, I think this is a, a sign that it's turning around for them. Yeah, I think the only thing that would make me think it could be nothing is uh, against Missouri, and this is something that 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 Ryan Faulkner pointed out in his piece on the SEC teams at the College Baseball Showdown. Against TCU, they outhit TCU by seven. TCU had four more errors than them, and they still had to just barely walk off TCU. I yeah. mean, I don't think they're very often going to have four fewer errors than their opponents. Like, is this the type of team that, you know, like really needs just everything to go right for them in order to be able to knock off a top team? Like, you know, you're you're not going to count on having your opponents to have five errors a game when it comes time to SEC play. So that's fair. Something but a tempered something. Yeah. Uh, two minutes on the clock. Let's talk a little bit about injuries. We have, uh, let's do these two of these injuries I want to talk about. First one is Brett Minnick from Texas A&M. First at bat, tries to beat out a ball, dives in the first base, thumb first, thumb didn't make it. Is this something or nothing for the Aggies? I think for the Aggies as a whole, I don't, I think it's nothing for now. Um, luckily, they don't start their tough schedule for for a few weeks i think he's out six weeks so yeah losses quote is saying i expected out six weeks i think that's pretty typical for for a hand sort of thing um so six mm-hmm. weeks i think the aggies can sustain losing i mean he hit 300 for them last year but he also was mm-hmm. injured a decent amount last year too yeah so that puts him coming back at about the tennessee series which is the second series of the sec play for them so they start with lsu at home and then they go to tennessee so maybe they hold him off for another week for that. I don't know. Um, All right. Jacob Wilson, something or nothing. <laughs> Jacob Wilson plowed into, I mean, Jacob crazy. Wilson injured. It felt like everything this weekend, but was never out more than he got pulled from the first game after running into the stands and going rib first into the seats. He uh, had a cleated in, into his collarbone on a slide into second base uh, for, for Grand Canyon, something or nothing. Uh, Jacob Wilson turning into a human punching bag. I think that's something really cool. He's uh, a <laughs> he's super tough. I mean, we asked him like on, on Instagram, and he said, "Yeah, I'm coming back to the game tomorrow. I'm, I'm hoping to come come back to the game tomorrow." And he uh, did. <laughs> yeah, and he did. So and he hit yeah, a triple he, in his first at bat. Yeah, and that first bat of the year too. Right. Yeah, he had a triple in game one and a triple in game two. Yeah, man, that's Last- that's tough. Last one, uh, Tommy Tanks diving back into first base, popped out his shoulder and dislocated his shoulder. He didn't play the rest of the weekend. The expectations are that he'll be back, though. Is that something or nothing? Uh, I think nothing. They said they popped it back in place. As as long as it doesn't become like a a rotator cuff or a... I don't exactly know what's going on. I don't know anatomy that well. But as long as they don't say there's something else that's Rotator cuff sounds right. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. As long as they don't say something else. Let's throw labrum out there, too. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I agree. Hopefully nothing. All right, two minutes on the clock. Stanford nearly fell to Fullerton on the road. It took quite a bit of heroics in order for the Cardinal to come back. Is this something or nothing? I'm going to go nothing. So 
first off, if you did not watch any of this series, you missed out on some incredibly intent- entertaining baseball. Stanford Fullerton is always must watch baseball, in my opinion. No matter how good either of these teams are, it always ends up being quite the show. But Stanford had to score seven runs in the top of the ninth and then eight runs in the top of the tenth to knock off Fullerton. They didn't really have to score all eight of those runs in the top of the (laughs) tenth. They ended up winning by eight. But they had to score something in the top of the tenth in order to uh, win that game three against Fullerton and win the series two to one. I'm going to say nothing. I I think my attitude is that winning on the road is hard. And I think Stanford and Fullerton have enough history that it's fair to call them rivals. So winning on the road against a rival week one is hard. I say that's nothing. They won the series. They took care of business. Yeah, uh, that's that makes sense. I think I think if you win the series on the road, that's hard to do. Uh, Fullerton is kind of rebuilding in that in that stage, so maybe there this is this is a re-energized Fullerton team. Did, did I say Stanford that first time? I think I meant to say Fullerton. Um, they are rebuilding and coming back, and so maybe they're just re-energized and trying to knock off top teams at home, and that's like what you want to do. But um, Stanford last year, their their big strength was offense, and they were not lacking any offense this year or so far this this year. Um, yeah, I wanted to see a little bit better pitching, but I mean, yeah, Quinn Matthews didn't look amazing game one, yeah. but he was all right. Scoring 21 runs, 15 runs in the last two frames is pretty solid. So I, I think I think they'll be all right. Yeah, between the two teams, they scored three touchdowns from the eighth <laughs> inning on. That's a uh, that is wild. That's baseball. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Something or nothing. Kyle, you're up first on this one. Mississippi State lost the middle game of their series to the Virginia Military Institute, VMI. Uh, Mississippi State, though, did win the series two two out of three. So is this something or nothing? Uh, I think since they won the series, it's nothing. If that would have catapulted them to losing the next day, losing morale and stuff, that would have been bad. Uh, the pitching, I mean, the bullpen a little bit is is worrisome. I was I was watching some of that game and watching some of the highlights, and they they just could not find the strike zone. I think they I, just in that one game there were so many walk, Mississippi State walked twelve cadets in that game. That is wild. That that is a lot of walks. Yeah, so, that's what's that's what makes me inclined to say that this is something. I think that uh, there is some frustration around the pitching staff in Starkville mm-hmm. um and and basically in the uh, in the underperformance of the pitching staff last year uh, i think it's uh, there are few places that have more guys that can throw 95 plus than Mississippi State and somehow they were worse than mediocre last year i think that middle game was was kind of reminiscent for a lot of Mississippi State fans of what they saw last year uh so that that part of me says this might be something. I think I agree, though. The fact that they came back, won game three in very convincing fashion. That game was never really in doubt. A 9-3 final on that one. Pitching staff pretty good for day three of the series. Uh, I think that uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk this one up for nothing. Uh, but they do have two midweek games and a full three-week, uh, three-game weekend series coming up. So that's five games coming up. Uh, in just a few days. So, I mean, that's going to put your pitching staff to the test. So this time next year, uh, next week, I think we're going to have a little bit of a better answer on whether or not this is something or nothing. Last up, OU 
lost two out of three to California Baptist in Norman. Is this something or nothing? Uh, I'll go first. I I think a big old big old something. I, I think <laughs> this is the most something of all the things that we talked about because <laughs> uh, Cal Baptist is a very respectable WAC program. Recently promoted from Division One, and they're finally eligible now for postseason uh, to compete for the WAC uh, automatic bid. Uh, but this is a series that you have to win if you're Oklahoma. I think. We included, we're very skeptical about Oklahoma having lost their entire rotation and several key contributors on offense. Uh, we reflected that in our preseason ranking in the mid-30s for Oklahoma. We have dropped them out of the top 50 altogether after that very lackluster performance from the Sooners. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. I think just the way that they lost, like not a whole lot of offense, Pitching wasn't solid. Losing to a team that that you should definitely beat at home to start the year. And I, I know Cal Baptist is like like you said they're they're just coming up from D one, but they had a few a really good year a few years ago, like on their first year when they weren't postseason eligible. Unfortunately, yeah, um, I remember Quite them the having transition for them. Yeah, I remember them having an electric offense that year. But yeah, I think I think what we wanted to see from Oklahoma coming back was. Like, sure, can you rebuild? Can you like you just went to the national finals last year? Can you can you have a little bit of spark of that? And losing a lot of that pitching is is kind of is a little bit stressful for the Sooners. Yeah, as we were recording this, uh, Air Force Oklahoma are tied six six in the bottom of the eighth. So I was about to say uh, that. Yeah, we we might be uh, looking at another early uh, OU squeaker here, but um, it's the season's young, but. If I'm a Sooners fan, I'm a little bit worried about what it's given me so far. Next up on the podcast, a segment called Pick a Side. We have two questions here. Each of us have to pick a side. They have to be the opposite side of this. No agreeing, Kyle. You're too agreeable. I've been trying to, to beat that out of you. <laughs> we must disagree on this one. Uh, yeah, I'm, first... not, I'm not cut out for ESPN uh, working on ESPN or Fox Sports, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, we're we're training you for that. We're training you for this is the minor leagues. We're going to get you the big leagues one day, kid. So which starting rotation had a better opening weekend, Florida or Southern Miss? I'll let you go first here with the pick. I'm going Florida. I think you got a guy. I mean, you got three really solid, highly sought after players. Brandon Sprout, Hurston Waldrop and Jack Caglianone. Wait, Jack Caglianone? You mean the hitter from Florida? No, <laughs> I mean the, the solid Sunday starter. But wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah. So last year, what would you think about if I told you about a player who batted who batted 288, had a WOBA of 381, seven, uh, seven homers, a bunch of doubles? Like, in just half a season. This is just half a yeah, season, too. Exactly. Seven home runs in half a season. Yeah, so that player can also pitch. He pitched six and two thirds, um, two hit baseball shutout with only one walk and nine strikeouts. I think he, I think I saw he was up to 98 on the, maybe 99. I didn't see. Yeah. Um, 96, 98 comfortably. Yeah. That's, that is a really like, I mean, <laughs> you were really pulling for Florida to, to put Florida up higher in the, in our rankings, but based on rounding out their rotation to be solid. So I, I know I mean, I'm on. I have to be on Team Southern Miss for this one, but yeah, you know, I I've I've called my shot there a thousand times. I still think 
dark horse golden spikes kind of guy. Wow. I mean, especially if he's a two-way player that can two-way player. If he numbers. is a, a weekend starter for a top five team and gets his offense going, he's a little bit sluggish on offense in the two games. He only he doesn't yeah. hit in the games that he pitched, but uh, yeah, this man. is about the rotation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm so I'm going Southern Miss. And uh I think I have this one in the bag. Southern Miss. Oh, do you? Yeah, Southern Miss pitching staff was absurd this weekend. Start the weekend off one hitting Liberty. Let's start there. Mm. Liberty is a better team than um, than who Charleston Southern. Florida played. Charleston Southern, thank you. Uh, Liberty is a at-large team last year, NCAA team. So this is a, a, a team that's very much expected to compete, probably favorite in the A-Sun. Uh, for day one, one hit them. Tanner Hall looked Filthy, absurd, change-up, untouchable. Just totally, totally untouchable for some fairly seasoned hitters. Tyler Martin came in through three innings of no-hit baseball. Justin Storm came in, closed it out, no-hit baseball for one inning, two strikeouts in his one inning of work. I mean, that's a pretty good start to the season. Sure. Game two, Matthew Adams, five innings of three-hit baseball, Gross-sively, four innings of three-hit baseball. Uh, another uh, shutout, shutout there for Southern Miss. Game three, Nico Mazza had five and a third, just one earned run uh, before uh, a few guys came in with a Justin Storm closing it out. Do you know what I'm going to say is the the absolute just uh, the cherry on top of the Southern Mitch pitching staff performance this weekend. They gave up one extra base hit the entire weekend. It was in the ninth inning of game three. It wow. took Liberty until the, the ninth of game three to hit a like garbage time home run. Basically it was seven to one <laughs> at that point. Liberty hit a home run. All of the other hits, which were few and far between as we have established, they only gave up a total of uh, five hits on uh, Sunday, six hits on Saturday and one hit on Friday. So what that is that 12 is my quick math check out 12 hits on the entire weekend, 11 singles and one home run. That is a ridiculous start to the year. So I think I have it in the bag here. Southern Miss definitely had the better starting rotation, uh, better rotate, uh, better opening weekend for their starting rotation. I think the trump card is that, that my, Starting rotation that I picked took y'all's best pitcher, Hurst Maldrup, in the transfer portal this year. Yeah, that's a little, that is a little <laughs> twist of the knife in the wound right there for Southern yeah, that's, fans. Imagine this pitching staff with Hurston Waldrop on. I know. It's funny that we're comparing, the, comparing these right now. Yeah, it's crazy whoever, whoever decided Whoever that. put these together. Yeah. Um, I think another thing interesting, uh, we should move on, but Florida was missing one of their key uh pitching guys uh pitchers <laughs> that's what you call a pitching guy <laughs> uh one of their key pitchers uh capola was in the running for the sunday starter uh he's kind of shelved until a second weekend so it'll be really interesting to see if if cags has earned his spot in the rotation if capola is going to come and start in the midweek as his first start what what's going on there but florida did this without what was presumed to be their third starter so that is impressive for florida i'll give him that did they say why he's out i think it was just like cautionary soreness the type of thing that you don't want to start off on the wrong foot so just give him an extra week to to get ready yeah, and I think it's I think it's Coppola 
you gotta you gotta add the italian flair <laughs> yeah yeah all right <laughs> if you say so <laughs> okay so the next pick aside which freshman so we talked about there's some impressive freshmen across the country we chose two of them which one of these had a better debut jace love <laughs> violence is the the nickname love violet so La I was listening to them pronounce it. They were saying like La Violette. Yeah, the, the college station friendly commentators with their nice southern accents were pronouncing yeah. it La Violette. That's, that's good enough for me. All right. Jace La Violette uh, from Texas A&M or Malcolm Moore from Stanford. I'll go first. I'm going to pick Malcolm Moore here. Uh, I think that first off, both of these guys had incredible debuts. And anytime you have a freshman contributing, true freshman contributing on opening weekend, you're not going to complain. So this is like choosing whether to have like ice cream or milk and cookies for dessert. <laughs> like you're not getting a bad deal here. You're pretty excited with both of these. But I'm going to go Malcolm Moore here because um, uh, across the weekend, he was a meaningful contributor on offense and on defense. Uh, he in, uh, exited the weekend with a 333 batting average. So he had 15 at-bats, five hits. Three of those hits were home runs. That's pretty impressive. Add one walk to that leads you to a 375 on base percentage. Um, he had a two-home run game on Sunday in a game that offense was definitely necessary for Stanford to be able to knock off Fullerton. Uh, he DH'd in game one and uh, had a kind of combo role in that game three where Stanford was pulling a bunch of guys off the bench. But in game two and game three, he was also the catcher for Stanford at times. I think being the catcher as a true freshman is pretty impressive. I, I think that's mm -hmm. a, a pretty non-trivial role for him to be playing as a freshman. So I think that gives me a little bit of an edge in my mind compared to Laviolette's uh, good a performance in right field mostly right and he was right playing that yeah uh, the corner outfield spot so uh, i think that gives me i think i think that gives the edge to malcolm moore for me two home run game and a series decider feels big and catching for uh, a team on the road as a freshman that's impressive in my mind yeah okay that's fair um i think but i think jace lavulette's home runs are are really the like the key factor here. He you mean two... the exact, he, he had the exact same number of home runs as, as Malcolm Moore, you know, right? That is true. I know. But the, the sheer power on those home runs. So he is a lefty, lefty hitter. He hit it over the section 12 out there in the outfield, almost went onto the train tracks. So his first home run of the weekend um, went 122 feet in the air, 424 feet away from the home plate, 111 miles an hour off the bat. Yeah, that's so, pretty far. That's far and fast. <laughs> and then his next one, it went a little bit shorter, 421, and then 107 miles an hour off the bat. So that, that is, oh, is hard that and fast and far for, for all of them. And I think I think he's just going to keep going. And that was in the cold weather, quote, cold weather of, of a, a Saturday afternoon. Like, I think I, that is enough for me to, to say – He's going to keep that up, I think. So I'll go Jace Lavulette here. One thing I'll add about uh, Malcolm Moore, he was batting fifth, which means he was protecting Braden Montgomery, preseason mm -hmm. Pac-12 player of the year. And that's pretty cool when you have a freshman protecting a player of the year. Uh, and still hit that well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think we're we're both pretty happy with our picks. It's hard, yeah. it's hard to be upset about having either of these guys. Uh, Crazy how impressive some of these freshmen were across the country. I know. 
first games. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Oh, what does that sound mean, Kyle? Mail time. Mail time. <laughs> All right. So Lindsay from Twitter sent us this question. Uh, what will it take for folks to start giving Butch Thompson and Auburn the benefit of the doubt? I'm kind of going to interpret this question as like, are people undervaluing Auburn? Uh, I, I'm i I'm torn on Auburn. Um, I, I, mean, I think it's really hard to make really big judgments about a team from week one when their week one opponents are not particularly um, strong. And I don't want to diss Indiana too much. I mean, it's a reasonably high quality team. I think they've somewhere around 500 a year ago, but more competitive in recent years, but only winning two out of three games against Indiana. That's not the type of thing that's like sends out these like, Oh wow. Auburn is definitely going to be the uh, front runner in the sec West or anything. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this one? I think this question is getting more at Butch Thompson and his ability to turn around this i mean before he got there kind of mediocre sec west program like in the six years before he got there they were only like just barely over 500 in all those years and like and then they've been to the college world series twice in his in his uh, eight-year tenure i think seven years before this year yeah eight um and then they went to the super regionals one of those years too so like they're they're uh he's turning them around into a really like solid sec west program not missing uh hoover like i think i think people will like stop underrating him if they maybe win another game in in the college world series maybe win the sec tournament i i don't know that's really hard to do though yeah i think it's a really fair question yeah i like being challenged like this you know i think at this point we don't question dave van horn or tim tadlock or Mm -hmm. There's these guys that, like, no matter who they lose, we're like, oh, yeah, Texas Tech will figure it out. And, like, why don't we think that about Auburn when they have been a reasonably consistent performer? So, yeah, I'll I'll say good job calling out some blind spots, Lindsay. Thanks for that. We have them at 27th in our polls. Yeah, knocking on the door of the top 25. Yeah. A question that we got from Reddit. Vandy and Arkansas both beat and lost the same teams at the college baseball showdowns. Why did Vandy go up and Arkansas drop? I think I could write a thesis on this one because <laughs> I think what this really gets at is the philosophy of rankings. And I think I want to start off saying like, I don't love it. It feels weird. But then my second thought is like pull inertia shouldn't really influence rankings. Like I, I like to think of rankings as kind of a somewhat independent week by week. Think about the teams on an individual basis. The biggest thing that was really challenging about this for me was the fact that this is our first poll we've released since Jackson Wigan was deemed out for the year. And Jackson Wiggins was a was going to be the Friday night starter. Yes, he had an ERA n- north of six last year. And yes, we were kind of gambling that he had to become a dominant ace kind of guy. But this was that's a real loss. And especially early in the season, Kyle, I think you and I agree with this philosophy that earlier in the year we, we care about resume, but we have to be somewhat forward looking as the year progresses. Resume becomes more and more important. But with week one, the fact that they've lost their ace, it makes me think about Arkansas differently moving forward. Not that differently. We still left them in the you know top 25. They were still right. ranked reasonably high, but there are some more question marks about whether or not pitching performances are sustainable throughout the year. Yeah, and 
you don't want to overreact to one week and we were trying to not do that, but I mean, they, they got blown out by TCU and Vandy also kind of did. There was a seven run difference in that game. And then TCU beat Arkansas by 12. That's like, those are both kind of blowouts almost there. And so if we want to look forward some and don't overreact so much to the week one, it's yeah, it is the, the starting pitching losing, losing Jackson Wiggins. The last question we had submitted was from Ben on Instagram. And Ben asked, which program would you rather build over the next five years? Rice, Cal State Fullerton, or Coastal Carolina? What are your thoughts on this one, Kyle? Well, I live in Houston, so I think I would go for, <laughs> so for Just rice. for, like, not having to move? <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, hmm. Those are fun. So these are all programs that are uh mid-majors that have had historic or history in the past like all yeah, won a cha- one championship titles. in the last 20 years or so um i think one each i don't know actually about fullerton on top of my head but hmm i think fullerton's in a good spot like they have a lot of expectations and i can kind of be fun to live in california with, with coach's salary so yeah give me fullerton you undersold fullerton uh four four titles 79 84 95 yeah. and 2004 I was saying in the last 20 years. Oh, like exactly one title. Yeah. They all have one title. So that's kind of nice. Uh, I like the answer of Fullerton. I think Coastal's probably my answer here. Uh, Cal State Fullerton's in the Big West. I think that's going to be challenged to, uh, challenging to, to have a consistent contender from the Big West moving forward. Um, Rice, I don't know, up in the air. Moving into the Cusa, right? Uh, currently they're in Conference USA. They're yeah. the American, right? Mm. That might make it easier. Yeah, the I don't American know. Is losing then, since the UCF in Houston, so I don't know. The latest uh, conference realignment rumors seem to have San Diego State and SMU going to the Pac-12, but Rice has been at least vaguely mentioned in that Pac-12 conversation. Interesting. So a little Why? hard to know. Uh, probably just the Texas market. I think academics. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go coastal because coastal's in the Sun Belt. I think. That, I mean, the coastal. I mean, show that they could win the College World Series in the Big South in the last ten years. Moved to the Sun Belt and have been very successful in the Sun Belt. I think mm-hmm. with the additions that we've seen with the Sun Belt Southern Miss, uh, uh, at all this year, then I think the Sun Belt is very consistently going to be a multi, uh bid league probably two to five maybe three to five would be what Mm -hmm. we expect to be an average for the Sun Belt uh to win a college world series you got to get in and I like having that uh a little bit of wiggle room that you know in the big west if you don't finish first you know hard yeah don't get into the you don't (laughs) get into the tournament and that's it's it's a lot of pressure especially now that the big west next year is going to be adding in a conference tournament and then all all starts riding on conference tournaments right and anything can happen in any given weekend so give me coastal because of their conference affiliation and the fact that the carolinas are so talent rich yeah that's a good point but Uh, i mean i I guess texas and southern california are pretty talent rich too yeah, I know. That's this is like a really uh, well balanced group of teams here. So this good is job, hard. Ben. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up there, Kyle. You will next hear from us a little bit later in the week on our preview pod.
Thanks for listening to the College Baseball Nation podcast. If you enjoyed this, send this over to a buddy. Have them listen to it. Have them maybe rate us on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. And have them send it to their friends and their mom and and their cousin and whoever might like college baseball. It helps get the word out. Check out our social media accounts at collegeballnet on Twitter and Instagram. Our website, collegebaseball.info, has absolutely no paywall and is loaded with some great recaps of week one of college baseball. Thanks for listening and have a great week.